Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Welcome to a really special Sunday in our church calendar. And I might just grab a pulpit if that's okay. Um, This is a great morning. So I'm really excited about this morning. Uh, Also, if this is your first time in church and one of the things that stopped you is because you feel like the church talks about money, this is a really unfortunate morning for you to be in church. But I hope that this morning what actually happens is that you get an understanding of why that happens, that you see some transparency and you see the heart behind why we do what we do. Uh, That is the aim for today. And so this morning, let's um, open up and, and talk about Catalyst Sunday. A catalyst is a chemical that increases the rate, or sorry, it's a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction. A substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction. I know we've got some scientists in the room. Shout me down if that is incorrect. Okay, yes, we're on. We're good so far. Okay, also a catalyst is something that precipitates an event. So as it relates to Catalyst Sunday at the Chapel Collective, what we're trying to see happen is that we're believing that we come together and we sow generously into what God is doing, and it speeds up the rate of the reaction of what God wants to do in this place. It also precipitates what God might do. That's what we're believing for today. So you may have heard in the promotion video the phrase uh, that says, regular tithes and offerings won't get this done. What do we mean by that? Regular tithes and offerings are what people give in a regular, often automated way that sows into the community that they're a part of. For example, we had Siri, I've had enough. <laughs> just as iPad keeps talking to him. <laughs> um, she always just wants to get the last word. <laughs> Daz is thinking much like my wife. <laughs> so um, regular, we, for example, this um, year, um, the four families went from Tamworth to go and plant the chapel Bendemir. Uh, they were four people who sowed into the community of faith in Tamworth. They gave in a regular, regular automated way. And what they did, they went to Bendemir and planted Bendemir. They took their children, thank God, and they also took their giving and they began to sow into Bendemir. Now at Tamworth, we could not be happier. We laid off a few staff around here and uh, no, we didn't do that. God always provides miraculously. But they went up there and they, they sowed into the community up there. That is exactly what we want to see happen. People owning the faith community that they're a part of and investing and in sowing into it. A guy a long time ago called Abram, he had an encounter with God and he gave a tenth of his income to a priest called Melchizedek. Um, his grandson, Jacob, he had an encounter with God and he said to God, if I come back to this place and I make you my God, then I will give you a tenth of everything I have. Then what happened was that generations later, God came into a what's called a covenantal relationship with the people of Israel, a contractual relationship where he made that part of the contract. Hey, you don't have to worry about sacrificing your children as other people are doing to other gods. You don't have to worry about how much is enough. No, no, let's just set this up that we'll put this in the contract of our relationship, our beautiful relationship. When Jesus came and the church of Jesus Christ was born, they upped the ante. They were like, God, it's all yours. Everything we have is yours. Use it all for your glory. And they used it to provide for the work of the ministry. They used it to meet one another's needs. And so as it relates to Catalyst Sunday, I would like you to consider 
as part of your generous life, whether you might give in a regular and even automated way into the faith community that you're a part of. Maybe you haven't done that yet. You haven't taken that step yet. I just want to I want to submit that to you and ask you to pray about doing that. What does that look like? It's premeditated. It's like you think about it. It's like premeditated murder. You think about that before you do it. This is premeditated. You think about it and then you predetermine. You decide ahead of time. Like it's intentional. You, you make it, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I encourage you to make it percentage-based. Why does God suggest that? Because then there's no division. There's no better or worse people. It's just all of us giving a percentage of what we have. You give a percentage to your bills. You give a percentage to your savings. Would you consider giving a percentage to the community of faith that you're a part of to provide for the work that's done? So premeditated, predetermined, percentage-based. I'd love you to consider that. And that pattern is right across the Bible. But then there's moments in history and time where they come together for a specific contribution for a specific purpose. You might say that the return to tithes and offerings was always about revival and renaissance, but um, these contribution moments were about rebuilding and repositioning for what God might do next. And so what um, happens there is the temple being built, the temple being rebuilt, the wall being rebuilt, and also, um, you know, in the New Testament, a special offering being given for the poor, people come together They unite around a certain cause and they give generously out of their hearts. What happens at moments like this? Well, I believe there's kind of three kinds of people here. And what happens with the first people is that their heart moves them. Their heart moves them. Someone gave a contribution this morning towards a certain piece of equipment. They were so frustrated that their heart moved them (laughs) to be able to give a new piece of equipment. That might be um, something that your heart might do and speak to you. Exodus 25 verse 2 says, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. Exodus 35 verse 5, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver and bronze. Maybe today your heart moves you. I know various times across my life where something has been presented and my heart has moved me. And you might say, not feeling it, Bron. My heart's not moving me. I'll see you next week. Well, there's another type of people. They're the people that move their hearts. They decide in their heart, and they do what they think God wants them to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not as he was moved in his heart, but he made a decision, decided in his heart, and he didn't do it reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I believe there's going to be a lot of cheerful people this morning. Maybe that's you. You're deciding and you're moving your heart. Some people's heart moves them. Some people move their heart. And then there's another group of people. The group of people that I wish I was a part of. And they have the gift of giving. You, you, by the way, you don't have to be rich to have the gift of giving. It's just something that you're compelled with. So listen to this in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches, can I just say firstly, any prophets in the room, any people that prophesy? And make sure you're prophesying in proportion to your faith. You know what I do know? There's a bunch of people serving around here. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Um, there seem to be a lot of people with the gift of service. 
And then there's a lot of people who don't have the gift and they just do it anyway. And I am so grateful for you as well. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, listen, it's the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is beyond someone whose heart moves them. This is beyond someone who moves their heart. This is someone who God's given a gift of giving to. They're the kinds of people who they feel like maybe Deuteronomy chapter 8, that God has given them the power to make wealth. Anyone want to? Yeah, me too. (laughs) But there's people like that I know in the room. Potentially these people have funds set aside and they're just waiting for God to prompt them to give it to a certain cause. So there's people that are moved by their hearts. Their hearts move them. There are people that decide in their heart. They move their hearts. And then there are people with the gift of giving. So how much should we give? A hundred million dollars. That is all. <laughs> okay. No, we ask God and, and, and for some you'll get an unction. Unction is a funny word. It's like you swallow the first syllable. Turn to the person next to you and say, unction. <laughs> And so some of you will get an unction. That's just like a prompting. You'll get, some will get an amount. And this has happened to me across various times where you get an amount in your heart. And if you're part of more than one in your household, you might tell the person they might have the same amount or you'll tell them and it'll just resonate with them. You'll give because you get an unction. Others, you'll decide. You're a pragmatist. You'll just make a conscious decision. This is what I'm going to give. And I would encourage for those people to be sacrificial but not stupid. Sacrificial, but not stupid. What does that mean? You see, Paul speaks of the Macedonian church. They're a poor church. And he says that they gave, though they were poor, they gave above their means. That's sacrificial. They sacrificed. They stretched and sacrificed. But in the same passage, he says, give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. I don't believe that God wants us to go into debt for giving. Um, You might have a different idea, but I warned you. Okay. No, no laughs. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. And others of you, you're wondering what God has had that money set aside for and God's going to use you to catalyze the God-appointed future for the chapel. Let me finish today by reading to you from Corinthians where Paul wrote to them about giving. I'm going to go to verse 6. It says, Accordingly, uh, we urge Titus, Titus, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Excel in the act of giving also. And listen to Paul. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. And then listen to this, because you can't talk about giving without talking about Jesus, because Jesus is the ultimate sacrificial gift. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, your sake, he became poor. My sake, he became poor. So that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave everything so that we might have salvation. He is the ultimate example. Uh, Let's go down to verse six of the following chapter. It says, the point of this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God has been and will always be your provider and he will provide for you so that you might continue to provide for others. That's the biblical basis. Pastor Daz is going to come now and lead us forward.
Well, it's going to be, good morning, everybody. It's going to be a little bit of, um, I was going to say phone tag, not phone tag, preach tag between Brian and I. We're still going to run to normal time, anyone who's nervous. And um, we are talking, as we rarely do, on finances today. I do just want to get something off my chest. Who remembers the old days? When I was young, I just thought, you know, it can be great to be a pastor one day. They're so honoured, so respected. And uh, I moved into the front row late because I had to go drop Lockie between services. And uh, Mikey Barlow's next to me. says, how much room do you need, mate? And then Steph hands me this mic and says, do you need your Britney mic today? <laughs> like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I love Jesus Church. Love his people. They, um, hey, as we get started here, uh, this is the philosophical part. We did the biblical part. And uh, um, in terms of this little session together, uh, if you're visiting with us, your first time in church, just relax. I can remember that day. I definitely was the person who thought the church wanted all my money. Uh, you can just keep your money. And, uh, but you understand the why behind what we're doing today. And so come on that little journey. I, I want to speak to all the Christians in the room who are familiar with what we're doing today. Here are just two reasons why you can be confident in what's going on today in terms of what we call a catalyst offering once a year. The first is that, just so you know, in terms of our church, um, as it's grown and as it's spread out to other places and stuff, my salary has decreased, not increased. I'm paid two days a week by our church. Now, we've got, we got a bunch of staff. We can afford to pay me full time. But as a household, Brian and I determined that we always want to be sacrificial ourselves, always leading the way around what we can then speak about. And just so you know, my salary is decreasing um, in terms of days, et cetera, not increasing. And that trend is not going to change. Okay, so that's the first thing. I think you can make, make you confident here in Tamworth. The second thing is that we're sitting in a building next to another building that are completely debt-free. Like, there's nothing on them. And we don't talk about money all the time. But we do talk about money when it matters. And so today, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about what our Catalyst offering starts today. It's not going to finish it. It's going to be decade long for us, but it starts today. You know, the, the, the recent period through COVID and everything meant that we didn't do this day. And another time, we were planning to do something which Brian will talk about, and we didn't do that. But today, and we've just sort of moved forward through the last few years I say that like we've just trickled along, but we did take on a church in Armidale and did open one in Bendemir, and we have got people gathering in port. So I was just like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm calling it a trickle, but actually good things have been going on in the midst of that. But Tamworth, we've just been sort of moving ahead, moving forward bit by bit. Today, we kind of click another gear as we come to Catalyst Sunday. Today, we begin a real focus on stepping up our commitment to seed the renewal of the next generation. Uh, that's what today's Catalyst offering is, is all about. It's going to start. Why this? Why now? Why us? Why me? Why you? Um, let me take you on a little bit of a journey. You're going to see an image come on the screen, a black and white image. If you're young, you've never seen one before. Look at this crowd. Look at this crowd gathered for a pink concert. Incredible. Now, that crowd there is gathered in 1959 to hear the Reverend Billy Graham speak here in Australia. That crowd was repeated all across the country. In fact, the largest venue in Australia to gather a crowd is the MCG. The largest crowd ever gathered at the MCG to this day is Billy Graham speaking at the MCG in the year 1959. 
One third of all Australians in the year 1959, one third of all Australians heard the Reverend Billy Graham speak or preach the good news of what the Bible calls the, the gospel. One third, one in three. Imagine that here in Tamworth today. Imagine next week Luke puts on a, a, you know, a gospel meeting or a gospel rally as they're called and one in three Tamworth people turned up to it. Wouldn't that be extraordinary? We'd call that in Christian terms, we'd call that revival or renewal. Well, that's what happened in 1959. That was Australia. Just two generations removed from me in my grandparents' time when my mother was a girl, one in three Australians went to hear or sat in a church that heard the Reverend Billy Graham speak. Incredible. Even the mainstream media called it a revival in Australia, a spiritual awakening. And so here we are, two generations removed from that. I'm going to show you this next graph. This is the most recent census data. Um, so you can see 1959 there. And then you can see where we are right now, two generations. Now, things have shifted a little, haven't they? And, and so what I started to think about a while back now was where will we be two generations from now on the same trajectory? Because that generation is right now in our crash. And in some of you mums in your tummy, I won't go into that for you, but man and woman kiss and then a baby comes and that's kind of what happens. What a radically shifted landscape we live in just in my lifetime. And where are we two generations from now? I want you to think about it a little bit more. And, and here's something I think is central to this. See, in 1959, my grandparents' generation were a generation that went to Sunday school. Even if their parents didn't go to church, they dropped them off at Sunday school. If you're part of that generation, you remember that your parents took Sunday morning to drop you at church, and they went and did what parents do on Sunday morning without children in the house, and they left you there. And so when the Reverend Billy Graham comes and arrives in Australia, there is a generation who have a knowledge of God and the, what we call the seed of the gospel already in their hearts and minds for when the Holy Spirit turns up illuminating that and bringing them faith to faith in Jesus. And right across Australia, renewal and revival and what they call salvation began to break out. Well, think about that generation for just one more moment. They all went to Sunday school. Then moved down two generations. My generation, we didn't go to Sunday school, though I did for a period, but we did go to Scripture. Moved two generations forward from that, and it's forecast that less than 5% of a generation will go to Sunday school. And all of those children, if they're in a public system, need to opt in to Scripture. So where is the gospel seed and the knowledge of God going to be in a heart of a generation that's being born right now. And I think we should do something about it. The, 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 what's his name? Robert the Bruce, right? The Scottish king. When his nation was under the tyranny of English rule, the evil English. Who's English in the room? The evil English had rule over Scotland. And they started an uprising against the incredible and impossible odds. And they asked Robert the Bruce famously, how are we going to win the nation back? And he said, one castle at a time. And they did in his lifetime. One castle at a time, they won back a nation. And I think one castle at a time, one church at a time, one community at a time, 
God can shift a nation. He can reshape the spiritual landscape. He can do something in one generation that nobody sees coming. In fact, that's God's whole history. He's done that for thousands of years in places so unlikely to see the gospel transform a generation. That's just what God's always done. That kind of is his story. He steps into that space. And so seeding the renewal of the next generation. I think God is up to something. I think God is doing something in our times. And uh, I, I want us to partner with him. Let me show you this with a couple of minutes that we got. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Peter replied, he said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many other words. He warned them. He pleaded with them. He said, Save yourselves from this generation, this corrupt generation. He said, They accepted the message and were baptized. Those who accepted the message and were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added that day. 3,000 people. Can you imagine that? Now, here's what I want you to see 3,000 people were added that day. Now, I don't know all the reasons why that was able to happen, but here are a couple. They were a generation who had had Jesus and his disciples touring the nation for three years, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching you know, his message for three years. So they got that going on. They got that being seated in the heart of a nation. But not only that, this was a generation who from birth and childhood have been taught the ancient scriptures and the teachings of the prophets. And so when this moment arrives and they hear the preaching of God's word and the Holy Spirit illuminates them, they are able to in large numbers respond and come to faith. If you move sideways to any other book in the New Testament of scripture, the first century of Christianity, there is nowhere in a non-Jewish setting where you see that going on. Now people come to faith but it's a trickle here, a trickle there, a family here, a few people there. And, and, and what's different is that they don't have the knowledge of God and they don't have yet the seed of the gospel. Same message, same Jesus, same devoted Christians, same Holy Spirit, excuse me, same Holy Spirit, but not the same. And why is that? I think it's because one group of people had the knowledge of God in their heart and mind and the seed of the gospel there for when the Holy Spirit came and illuminated in their lives. Well, I think we should do something about that. I think we should do something starting right now about that. I'd like to see you do something today with me, with us together. In Jesus' name, and Bron's going to come and talk about what's coming next. Great. Great, great word, Dazza. Um, Dazza's actually going to tell us what's about coming next. I'm going to tell you about what has been um, a couple of years ago, uh, in 2020, uh, we, came, we were thinking about Catalyst offering and we knew something that we needed to do, and that was get the roof replaced next door. You know, sometimes Daz and I stand out on that corner and we look back at the buildings, at this block, and we are moved to tears about what God has done. We think about all the people that have sown so generously, all the generations that have gone before us, and we look at this block and go, wow, God, you are so incredible and literally get a bit sooky. <laughs> we're so grateful. Um, and so in 2020, we were coming to Catalyst Offering thinking, well, we need to make sure that we steward what God has given us really well. Uh, and the roof next door had needed to be replaced for about 20 years. Fortunately, we'd had three years of drought, so it was less um, of an emergency. But we thought, no, now's the time we need to get it done. COVID hit and we realised that, yeah, a roof, leaky roof is a problem. The drought had also broken. But what was more of a problem was that people all over the world were suffering desperately um, 
with COVID way more than we were. They didn't have government payments. They didn't have um, emergency funding and all that kind of thing. And so instead, uh, we said, let's take up an offering for compassion and for eye-openers and let's make sure that those who are most vulnerable are getting seen to in COVID. The following year, we were like, right, this is the year for the roof. And, um, but then we were locked down, we were in, we were out, we were whatever we needed to do. And we just thought the church has got enough going on for them right now than adding this on top. Um, and the board said to us, that's great, but you need to get the roof replaced now because um, expenses are just going through the roof. Ha, <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, but they are really going through the roof. Um, and uh, if you're building a house right now, you know that this is true. Um, they, we were, we'd gotten a quote for 100000 That's what we were thinking 2020. Um, they said you'll pay well over two if you 200000 if you wait any longer. Uh, we ended up needing to pay about 150 or just over that. Um, so they said, just get it done. Even if we need to redraw on the mortgage, get it done now. That'll be more prudent. Praise God because he's amazing and you're amazing and your generosity is amazing. We didn't need to go into debt but we did need to empty every account in order to get that done. And so under the wise stewardship of Trish Moore, um, thank you, Trish Moore, um, who headed up that department, we had eventually gotten to the place where we were diligent and wise stewards and had a buffer in place that if anything did happen, that we didn't need to quickly lay off staff. If we had four families go to Bendemeer, we didn't need to cut back on that kind of thing. And we had this buffer in place. Well, last year the buffer is no more. And so we've had to do things like um, go to monthly insurance payments um, because our insurance has gone up by 15000 this year. We've had to manage tightly our finance. Uh, we've always managed it well. We've always stewarded it well. But we've had to cut back on things and just go, okay, now's not the time for that. We just want to be wise stewards and build that buffer back up. Not all the way to what the roof cost, but to two-thirds of that. Now, beyond that, Daz is going to outline some vision that is super exciting along the lines of what he just talked about beyond that. Um, but we do want to be wise and, and good, diligent stewards and get back to that place first. So watch this clip of uh, what happened and then Daz will come again. When it started raining, we would have to run into the kitchen and the utility room and find every single bucket in the building. And then we would be like, you to this corner, you to that corner. And we would be shoving containers under massive leaks under the roof every single time it rained. And if it rained when we weren't there, slight flooding. I remember the days with the old roof you know, it was a great building, we had a great time. And we'd pray to Jesus, let it rain, and this Holy Spirit would come, but sometimes. Sometimes it would also come with rain. And the stress, and the moments we had. Of just searching for buckets, and trying to save the place from flooding was just some of our darkest days.
you that video to just reveal just how broke we are because of the quality of it. <laughs> Random kids, we couldn't even afford to employ actors. We were just like YouTube. Not really, we're actually in good shape. But, but what we will say is that what we're doing today, just let me get to my spot, what we're doing today is really replenishing that. We're, we're essentially paying for the roof today. And um, um, it's like before pay or after pay, whichever one, I'm confused. It's one of, one of those. And so today, what we're actually doing in, in, in making provision for the roof and whatever we can do beyond that, if we can do something beyond that, um, today we're, we're actually on the beginning of a journey. Here's what we're going to do. We're actually at the moment pursuing um, establishing a Christian-based preschool and early learning centre for the reasons I just gave you, that... Um, kids have to opt into scripture. They're not going to church. What, what, how are we going to affect the work that we talked to you just a moment about? And so one of the ways is we're going to, we're pursuing, we're hard at work, have been for about a year on Christian-based preschool and early learning center. And, and the idea is to obviously transform next door so that it's effective on Friday nights, which it's already doing. If you're ever here for the chaos of the car parking at the end of youth. It's a great feeling. I love that it's chaotic. love that I'm close to an accident. I'm glad that I need my insurance locked in before I get there on Friday night. But then, of course, on Sunday morning. But what we want to do is take Friday and Sunday and stretch it across Monday to Friday and actually affect a generation. You know, 100, 130 kids um, in each block a year over a 10-year period, that's a 1,000 or more kids. And, and here's what we want. It's not difficult. It's not complex. We want a child to leave education with us having a knowledge of God, having heard the gospel, and an inclination to pray. That's it. That, that's what I had. And here we are. A knowledge of God, having heard the gospel, an inclination to pray, even if their parents, like my dad, the only time my dad prayed was when his horse was running second and he wanted it to run first, like, God! And it didn't work just by the way. <laughs> but I always prayed. I'd be standing in the middle of a nightclub, in the middle of carnage that many times I helped create, <laughs> and I'd pray. I'd pray to a God that I didn't serve. Oh, help me get through this moment, God, and I'll serve you tomorrow. I had a knowledge of God. I had the seed of the gospel, and it brought me, and I prayed my whole life until I came to the point where I surrendered to Jesus. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're pursuing to do. Here's, here's what I want to, um, it's good, right? And here's what, here's what I want you to know. Because you're always looking, is this my crazy mind? And I'm like, I don't need another thing to do. Like, this is it's lots of work. Um, 
is this my crazy mind, God? And so I personally, just in the background, I looked at all of this for about a year. I crunched all the numbers. I looked at all the details. And um, all of that spoke to a zillion people. And I got to the end of it and went, well, God, I'm stuck now. And I knew from all of the conversations that we needed four people. You needed, um, you needed a developer who knew what they were doing in terms of redeveloping the property. You needed um, an equity um, partner. You needed someone who was a specialist in the industry. And you needed um, a fourth person. And what do they do? Uh, yes, run it. Yeah, thanks. And three weeks after I prayed that prayer, someone raises with me, hey, Darren, have you thought about we should look at doing this early? I'm like, okay, you have my attention. And within three weeks after that, we had on the learning side, not on the church side, on the learning side, we had an equity partner. We had a developer who said, I will develop that property and all the plans and all the government stuff for you for free. And we had an industry expert who's already built 12 locations, Christian guy, who's just gone into retirement, handed off his business. And after talking with him, he said to me, he came back and he said, Darren, um, I want you to know that we've built centers. They're not overtly Christian. I'm going to help you get this started and done. I'm going to build you a system or you guys a system that you can take anywhere and replicate. And um, I want you to know that I'm going to do it all for free. And this will be my legacy as a Christian man. And at that point, I went, well, Brian, I think we're in. And so we're here today to ask you to partner in that financially. That you might seed something that we'll keep pursuing. And, you know, there might be a catastrophe and it might not work. And all, but we're being diligent. We're not standing here with undeveloped pathways. But that you might agree to partner so that we would see a kid have a knowledge of God, having heard the gospel, inclined to pray in the privacy of their own room or wherever that is to a God they don't really understand, but they know he's there and they know he's good and they believe in him. And we can get that done together. We can actually get that done together. And we can start it right now in this moment. So with, with the time that we got, here's, here's what I want to speak to you as groups now. Maybe you're in retirement like the guy I just mentioned. And this is what I would say to you. This is the first, it won't be the last, maybe, of a legacy offering for you. You're going to seed something you won't see the fruit of. And that would be a wonderful way to invest your finance. And maybe you're right in the prime of life. You say, Darren, where's the prime of life? 51. But, you know, you're in the ballpark of prime and you've got influence and you've got capacity and you should do something. I'm not pressuring you today. I am compelling you within the means that you've got and what God would stir your heart because I think it's worthy. But if you're in the prime of life, this is an opportunity to make a significant contribution with the influence that God has given you in this stage of your life. You're never going to have more power, more, more place than right now to make a statement. And maybe uh, as we stretch down, you're like Luke and Sarah. And you're just rich, man. You're just so rich. And youth pastor's wage, you're loaded. And, no, and you're their age, early 30s, in your 20s, little kids. 
And I would say that not them, but if you're in that age, you're kind of in a church like ours, you're able to coast a bit, you're able to cruise a bit. I say, this is a time for you because this is a generation you're producing, whether you've got kids or not. It's time to make a statement and this is an opportunity for that. It's time for you to go, let's lead the way for a generation that I'll be dead and you'll be leading. I think you should do something. You should do something for your children and not just your children, but their friends and that generation that God might turn up. And then lastly, I don't talk to all the teenagers in the room. Now, your parents might take you out and not bring you back after this. But I'm okay if, that's, if it sees the thought in you. Because this is the generation you're going to lead. You're going to live in a world where there's a knowledge of God and the seed of the gospel that can be illuminated by the Holy Spirit or not. And I say, lead it. And I'd say to you, lead it right now. Lead it right now. You don't need a lot. Bronnie, when she was 17 years old, gave most of her inheritance to a church in India that feeds the poor, that preaches the gospel, that heals the sick, that sees lives change. I'm not saying you do that with your inheritance. You should speak to your parents. I'm saying that if you've got a part-time job, if you've got income coming in, you're a teenager, you should make a statement now about the kind of Christian you're going to be and about the kind of generation you're going to lead. And if you've ever prayed, anyone in the room, if you've ever prayed, oh Lord, we want revival. We want to see revival. I would say, seed it today. Think 1959, see, because revival comes when the foundation is laid. If you think about revival through the ages, it doesn't happen in an ethereal Holy Spirit mist. It happens where a knowledge of God and the seed of the gospel exists. And today, here, right now, we've got an opportunity to seed something that is going to have an impact on a generation, one castle at a time, starting with Tamworth, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.